a later week Fenway Rundown coming to you. I'm Chris Cotillo, your host from Mass Live here at Fenway Park where the Red Sox continue to face the Twins in a three-game series. An interesting homestand for the Red Sox, taking three out of four from the Angels. We got the abbreviated Shohei Otani experience on Monday on a wet and wacky marathon Monday. Uh, Tuesday night's game, one of the craziest you'll ever see. Chris Sale looked like himself again in the story of the day today. And Manuel Valdez, prospect acquired in the Christian Vasquez trade, making his major league debut. Yu Chang goes on the paternity list. Valdez comes up. Alex Cora says, you know, this kid can really hit. We're excited to see what he can do with the bat. Um, probably won't be a very long stay for Valdez in the majors, but he's here for now. And, you know, when you get the chance, you can always make an impression. He was acquired along with Willier Abreu at the trade deadline for Christian Vasquez, who is coincidentally here for the first time as a visitor, as a member of the Minnesota Twins. I think this, you know, obviously the results are the big, big type of story of the year, but the pitch clock, I think, is also, you know, one of the things that has dominated the first 20 or so games of the season. It's an adjustment for everybody, fans, players, managers, those of us in the media, and especially broadcasters. So thought it would be interesting today to sit down with Will Fleming. You know him as the voice of the Red Sox on WEEI. This pitch clock whole thing is, is really affecting how they do the broadcast. There's no dead time. There's not time to tell stories. Instead of a three-hour show, it can be a two-hour show. Instead of a four-hour show, you know, 245, whatever it is. So uh, it's causing a lot of changes for those people who are uh, in the booth. So here's Will Fleming talking about that and more. All right, we are in the uh, WEEI broadcast booth at Fenway Park. I think a lot has been made of the changes on the field, how players have to adjust to them, and us as media members, Will, we just, no one cares about our reaction to all this, so I figured I, I would get your thoughts. Um, just kind of the, the simple question, how much of an adjustment has the pitch clock been for you and what you do on a daily basis? I mean, it's a pretty big adjustment, Chris. Good to be with you. Um, I think it's gotten more comfortable now. We're almost three weeks into the season. Um, and I've gotten into a much better rhythm with it. It was jarring early. Like, I, we all paid attention as this stuff was going on in the minor leagues, and you, you heard from broadcasters down there that there wasn't as much time to fill and tell stories and do all those sorts of things. I think that first spring training game we had uh, against the Braves, it was like I was taken totally aback by it. Um, and we've adjusted. You learn how and when to get things in that used to be so natural and easy because there'd be so much time to fill. Um, now it's like a foul ball into the stands. You, your, your little neurons fire and you say, okay, now I can maybe tell half of one story that I'd otherwise tell over the course of half an inning. But, um, you know, I, we're making the adjustment. It's overall great for the product, for the fans, for the game, for everything. I'm not sure that it's quite as fun to do what we do. I mean, I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. But I, I, I love that stuff, the, 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 the storytelling, the personal side of things. And the way the game is now, there's, you, it just is not as possible to do. I mean, yeah, I was going to ask, right? And that, isn't that what kind of makes baseball on the radio so fun, the downtime, the stories, getting people in the booth? I mean, that type of stuff. If you have a guest in the booth, like you got to keep them for, what, four innings now? Or yeah. is, like that's I'm sure there's a lot of weird changes like that. Yeah, and it's also that I cannot – have as much conversation with my partner whoever that is and especially when Lou's in here I mean it's his job to you know break down what's going on each play and there's just less room to do that uh, guests are almost impossible even things like getting sponsor reads in completely that part uh, is difficult so I, I think we're all just kind of learning on the fly and making those adjustments um, I, I but 
to answer your initial question, yes, that's what I love about baseball on the radio. Uh, and it's fun in a different way. And again, I think we're all just going to get more efficient and economical with our time and how we get these stories in and do it more succinctly. Um, but it's, it's most certainly a different animal. What about the 206 game in, at the Trop last week? Was that like that's particularly jarring of just, you know, it was out after out, one nothing game. Like, was it just basically, you know, play by play for two hours and that's how it goes? Yeah, I think it's a little bit more like a basketball broadcast. Like when I do basketball TV, it's just nonstop. The game carries you. Uh, and that is sometimes what happens in these. We had a 157 game the other day, too. Um, and, you know, the thing is, that's not going to happen all that often. So you, you can... It's just, in a way, it's its own compelling story that you tell the story of that day. But, I mean, to talk about having no time to get anything else in and fill in, in the gaps a narrative way, uh, that was a prime example of that. So, um, you know, I, we are going to have some three-and-a-half-hour games. We're going to have – and the other thing I would say, too, is that maybe it's better – maybe, you know, maybe the listener, it benefits from this, too, um, that it's just all action and coming at you. Uh, and, you know, we've had three-and-a-half-hour games with – 29 runs and 45 hits so um look it's it's not the end of the world it's an adjustment i I've, I've enjoyed the product on the field and hopefully that comes through over the air do you feel like from our perspective i mean we're you know obviously the other side of the press box but it seems like the communication on the pitch clock violations mm-hmm. like kind of confusing sometimes like have you been you know kind of looked up and like, oh, it's 0-1. Like, what happened? Because I feel like that's kind of an issue where, you know, if you're not paying attention as closely as possible to every second, you can kind of lose that. It has happened a couple times, and Joe and I say this all the time. The umpires need to have microphones, and they need to communicate it, period. There's just no excuse for them to be doing these things uh, and not telling the fans, much less the broadcasters and writers, what's going on. Um, We got 37,000 fans in a ballpark who have not seen any of this stuff put into place and each umpire does it in a different way. The hand signals are different. Some of them are really clear and demonstrative about it, and others, frankly, are not. And I think that's a problem. I mean, does it frustrate me? It does. But I mean, to me, that's not the end of the world. It's more to me. We're trying to improve this game and this product and sell it to a bunch of up and new young fans. And it makes it really hard if they're sitting next to their dads and their grandparents and say, what, what the hell just happened? Why, why is there no pitches have been thrown? Why does it say 1-0 on the scoreboard? So uh, I think it's really imperative that the umpires find a better way to communicate it and, and that there be some uniformity in it. Um, I, I just uh, I really strongly believe that there's got to be a better mechanism like they do in all these other sports when they're announcing reviews and challenges and all that stuff. We already do it when we go to New York for replay. Why not just say... The pitcher was not set, automatic ball, whatever it that, is. That takes time. It cancels out the time saved. <laughs> That's exactly it. I mean, of course, and then we, we're on Apple TV. Here we are you know, putting all these rules in to save time, and we're on Apple TV, and we come back from break, we sit there for 30 seconds and wait. So uh, there are some tweaks still to be made with these rules, and frankly, I still think uh, we get the same desired result. I would like it to settle on an even uniform 20 across the board. Runner on, bases empty, whatever. 20 and 20. 15, to me, does feel a little bit rushed, and I think you would get all of the benefits uh, of these new rules if you just did that. I I still think – I'm glad we did it. I think we've taken a huge leap forward, and we're going to draw a lot of new fans. We needed to do it. The game had gotten away from us. I get that. But I think you could add five, six, seven seconds to these clocks and still get the same effect and then still make it feel – 
like it's breathable and that there's the natural rhythms to it. The postseason's a whole nother conversation for another day. I worry about that because to me, some of the tension and the drama and the waiting uh, in between pitches in the postseason is what makes it so fun and dramatic. So I'll be fascinated to see how that goes. But uh, I love it. I just still think there's there there are some tweaks that can make it much better. One thing I've noticed, I asked Alex Cora this the other day, and he kind of agreed, was when your offense is slumping mm. and within the pitch clock era, it goes very, very quick. It seems to be more contagious. Like it's a seven-pitch inning that takes a minute and a half, and like it, it just seems like it snowballs quickly. You feel like that's the case. Like it's it's hurting offense a little bit in that way, especially you know quick innings when a pitcher gets into a groove. It feels like it's over before it begins. I certainly think that's true, and I think it can happen in between at bats too. You blink and it's 0-2, which is why I think we're seeing smartly a lot of hitters take their time at 0-2. Uh, they step out of the box and try to gather themselves, but. Yeah, I mean, we've had like literally 90 second innings where it's three ground balls to second and it's six pitches and you say, what just happened? Um, And I do think there's probably something to the fact that if a pitcher is in a groove, I'm not sure it's as much about an offense that's struggling as much as it is a pitcher's really feeling good on the mound and it's just bang, bang, bang. Uh, and they're back into the dugout. And, and I think then, of course, there's the, the downside is if your pitcher is struggling that day, <laughs> it seems like he needs a break and he's just had a you know 30-pitch inning where four runs have scored. He could really use a break. It's like inevitably Murphy's Law. Then here comes the seven-pitch inning. So it really can snowball. And, and that's something I think that the Red Sox starting pitchers in particular have, have needed to adjust to early in the season. And I think there's, you're starting to see signs of that using the clock to their benefit, holding runners more effectively. Um, it's all these subtleties of these rules that I didn't quite anticipate, and that's certainly one of them, where, like, this inning feels like it's going too fast or too slow on me. i got to step off, take a deep breath, use a mound visit. And I, the Red Sox have started to do that much more effectively. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think that guys grip the bat a little tighter when they don't feel like they're in their full normal routine, and things can really go uh, snowball quickly. I know you're not the uh, guy who's selling the ads, but in, in terms of that, like, are you just screaming the sponsor's name and there's no ad added to that because of how quickly you have to go? I mean, I, I know you mentioned that that is a change, too. You know what we're like? It's like the speeding up of the disclaimer after every ad. Like, yeah. Safe Light Underglass is the official you know, sponsor of batters three through six. And every time a Red Sox batter hits a home run, I mean, you have to get into a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And we do things which annoy me a little bit. Like, uh, you, the, you're doing it between pitches almost. And it's like... You know, uh, the proud presenting sponsor of this strikeout, and we'll donate X dollars, and the pitch is outside. And by the way, for every, you know, um, I think that interrupts the flow, but frankly, it's the only way to do it. But, but, big disclaimer, they pay the bills. They're the reason we're here. Uh, none of this would be possible without that. So, again, first world problems. Uh, you deal with it. You adapt. But um, it's another upshot of this that I think would be more benefit to just having a little bit more breathing room. And last thing I'll ask you, not on the pitch clock topic, but as we sit here uh, mid-April, Red yeah. Sox have been very up and down to say the least, a lot of injuries. What has your assessment of this team been compared to where you thought they'd be before the season? I would say, all things considered, this is about where I thought they would be, but not getting here in this way. I mean, it's been so up and down. First of all, I don't think I realized how good the Rays are, and they really are. They're hot and really good. Um, They just dominated the Reds the last two nights again. So the Red Sox are not the only team that are getting snowed in by by the Rays. Uh, I thought they would be, like I took the over on the season, whatever it was, in the low 80s, and I still believe that primarily because I think they can tread water, stay competitive, and then here comes Trevor Story and some other people who could get healthy, Uh, and then you're looking at a totally different lineup. Right. Right now... 
especially with the, the injury to Adam Duvall. You see it now. It's another left-handed heavy lineup for this team. They just have too many left-handed hitters. That's just the way it is. You needed Duvall. You need Story to come back. Um, you need guys like Arroyo to pick it up. Uh, I know he's hurt today as we record this, but uh, Kike, Arroyo, Ref Snyder, you know, which of those guys is going to carry it until uh, Trevor Story and Duvall come back? And that, that to me, is the big thing. Uh, the, the one thing that stands out now, and the reason I continue to be optimistic about, say, getting to mid-June in the thick of it, in spite of being in this gauntlet of a schedule and in the hardest division in the sport, is the pitching is really good. I mean, we know the starters have not done enough. Chris Sale was super encouraging last night. I think Bayo's going to be really good. Whitlock has been encouraging. Hauk, for goodness sake. I mean, we all want to you know, split hairs about what he is and what he isn't. I mean, you could argue he's been their steadiest and best starting pitcher. So uh, that part is good. And now for the first time in like three years, I've found this really shocking to me at times. You'll be in games where the, both starters are out in four innings, and you feel like the Red Sox are in a great position right. to win a game because of Josh Winkowski and Cutter Crawford and obviously Kenley at the back end. But that's that's modern baseball today. I, I, you know, that's how you win a lot of games. And the Red Sox have a bullpen in spite of some of these injuries uh, that can hang with a lot of teams. So I think they're record-wise kind of where I thought they would be. I, I guess I thought the starters to this point would have been a little better, would have gone a little longer into games. But I think they're turning that corner uh, this, this last round through the, the rotation. So I think they, they have a chance to stay at this pace, maybe get five, six, seven games above 500 here. But... You've seen the schedule, Chris. I mean, it's amazing. You look until the end of May, there are no easy opponents, um, and so it's going to be survival mode with all the injuries. And uh, they, I, I really do think, you're going to lean on Verdugo and Devers, and you need to get some right-handed production. Hope Yoshida gets a little better. And I think you're going to have to pitch your way into comp- competition around the break. I really do. See what happens when we get a, a real-life radio professional on a podcast instead of me. You can just tell the difference. But we thank Will Fleming for coming on. Oh, you're a pro. Who's getting the ice cream tonight? Uh, that story's yet to be told, as always. <laughs> Thanks, Chris.